0: What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Georgia loses offensive coordinator Todd Munkin to the NFL and a blast from the past as they turn to Mike Bobo to run their offense. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for the reigning national champs, the Georgia Bulldogs? We will discuss Locked On SEC starts right now.
1: You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And what... What is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked on SEC, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. we got plenty to jump into. We mentioned the Georgia news, so we're going to dive right into it as we welcome in our buddy Dan Matthews from 680, the fan, in it. Atlanta, also executive producer of the Chuck Oliver Show, and he joins us now. Dan, welcome in, man. How are you?
1: Oh, not too bad, man. Things are good on my end. Uh, too bad, you know, we're in the throes of early February, and we don't really have much to talk about. Um, <laughs> not ideal for people like me and you who need to talk college football year-round, so uh, it's, uh, it's creativity time right now, I guess.
0: Well, let's get into it, Uh, Dan. Before we get to the Mike Bobo news, I do want to kind of, uh, you know, talk about what Todd Munkin was able to accomplish as he departs uh, Georgia. We did, you know, we've heard rumblings for weeks that he was sniffing around in the NFL, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where he once was, they were interested in him, several other teams. Ultimately, uh, you know, the the Baltimore Ravens come calling. But uh, what did you make of Todd Munkin's run with the Georgia Bulldogs, obviously winning back-to-back national championships is, you know, absurdly impressive, but he just really seemed to take all that four- and five-star talent that Kirby was recruiting and put it all to use, and it was pretty darn impressive.
1: Yeah, it definitely was, and of course, you know, we were kidding in the first uh, thing I said to you, because yeah, I mean, this is uh, obviously a huge bit of news, and a bit of news that I think that probably just depended on the day... You know, people who were in the know about this situation, it was some days 50-50, it was some days 80-20 he was going to stay, it was some days 80-20 he was going to go. I think that the thought was always there that this could be a possibility, but then the question with, you know, Munkin in the NFL, it was more or less of, you know, what does he necessarily need to prove at that level that he can't do and continue to make, you know, outrageous amounts of money at Georgia calling offenses and and be in position to win national titles. But, um, you know, this was the scenario that came along and obviously uh, fit what probably he was uh, looking for in terms of making a return to the NFL. I'm sure we'll get into that uh, a little bit more here in just a second. But uh, the last three years, I mean, outstanding. I mean, I I just think, um, you know, let's just take it kind of year by year. You know, 2020, it's the COVID year he has to kind of build a quarterback on the run if you will and that was the first incarnation of Stetson Bennett who once you know the the offense uh, you know kind of stalled out against Alabama it was more or less i think not only you know the in base but also too Kirby smart realizing hey i've got JT Daniels i got to break the glass on this and try to figure out what i've got and he he did some good things he also did you know some inconsistent things but it was at least a belief that, man, he showed enough with George Pickens coming back, with Jermaine Burton coming back, uh, with all of these offensive pieces coming back from that Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl team. This could be a very special year. And it turned out it was a very special year for Seth Bennett. And I think that his development with Bennett and also, too, you know, just the offense where you hadn't seen the tight end using this offense in years. He did that. Um, He was able to use numerous different running backs and have success with numerous different uh, guys out of the backfield. He was able to do that. And I guess that you could probably say the only real criticism of Munkin is no standout wide receiver. But I would more or less point to the personnel because when you have a top-tier guy like Brock Bowers, you find every single way to get him the football. He did that. Uh, when you have a guy that's as versatile out of the backfield as Kenny McIntosh, you do the same thing. He did that. Kendall Milton, the same thing. So I would say that probably maximizing the abilities are things that he was able to do out of these skill position players. And the results showed uh, a couple of national titles and also, you know, two very good offensive years. So I think that there's probably a little bit of angst amongst the fan base from, you know, not necessarily knowing what's next. But I think you also do have a good idea of what could be
0: next. Well, what is next? And as the door closes on Todd Monken, a, th- a three-year stint that uh, saw him, you know, average thirty-eight points per game uh, this past uh, in twenty twenty-one, and then uh, averaging forty-one points per game this past season. Obviously, very impressive. Um, and you know, like you said, back-to-back national championships, a thirty-seven and three record under him Uh, two of those losses came in the 2020 pandemic season um absolutely impressive what Todd Munkin was able to do but now a little bit of a return to the past with Mike Bobo officially back as Georgia's offensive coordinator and by the way they wasted no time so that tells you this was all in the works uh already that you know Todd had already told them hey I'm leaving and Kirby decided you know well before all this and Mike Bobo was going to be the guy but um Mixed reaction from fans on the Internet, uh, Georgia Bulldog fans. Some saying, look, if if this is what Kirby wants, then I love it. Let's roll with it. Then, look, you got more talent now that he did the last in as the OC. So uh, let's go win a title with a four- and five-star talent everywhere. But what was your reaction, Dan, when you uh, heard that Mike Bobo is uh, coming back?
1: Expected. Uh, you know, from everybody who – covers this program on an insider basis, you know, the Roddy the the Jake Rose the, the, you know, the, the Rusty Mansell um, this was very much in play if indeed, Monk into the NFL became a reality, so I don't think it necessarily surprised people I think that there is very much a familiarity with Kirby and, and with uh, with Mike Bobo that you thought that this could be a possibility and I think it's also too you know, it's Feeling this late in the game, why necessarily shake things up as opposed to keeping continuity as well as you can and being able to have someone come in, which you know, everybody I've talked with, it's going to be the same terminology, the scheme, the, the concepts are going to be the same, all of those things. And, and one of the things that immediately somebody met me with on this was, you know, well, Mike Bobo is not going to run run pass option. Says who? I mean, you know, RPOs kind of came in, what, already about five years ago, really, is when we started seeing college offenses run RPO. Do you think that Mike Bobo has not watched enough film to know, like, hey, you can either give on this, you can take, or you can throw it? I don't think that that's necessarily going to be a huge, you know, adjustment for him. But it's also, too, you know, I think that there was a perception with Mike Bobo, the first time around, that he's not very creative. He's not going to take shots. The dreaded, he doesn't make adjustments, which (laughs) Peyton Manning, I think, told us a couple of weeks ago, that's a bunch of crap. But you get my point. Um, They scored 40-plus points a game when he was here. Aaron Murray set passing records when he was here. They ran the football like nobody's business when he was here. All three of those things are things that Kirby Smart wants in his offense. So if everybody's believing that this is going to be a precipitous drop in the offense, I just don't see it. Um, You know, he's going to be able to make his choice of quarterback uh, with three guys that he had in the the building last year and probably got to know being an analyst here and and got to know through the recruiting circuit and and everything of the such. So that's not going to be a huge adjustment. I just think that obviously, you know, there are – Principles that Kirby Smart wants to have in his offense. Get the playmakers the football. Be able to run the football. Be able to play with physicality if needed. And I think that Mike Bobo fits all of those categories. And we'll see if this is a long-term deal. If maybe, you know, this was Kirby knew what he had in his back pocket and said, I don't want to do an exhaustive search. I don't want to, you know, just completely throw things out the window, and maybe start from scratch this next offseason um, or this, this next spring. So I think that that probably fit into it a little bit as well. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, fitting a couple of things that Kirby, I think, probably wanted, trust, you got that. Continuity, he has been in the building, you got that as well.
0: A quick thought, Dan, does this, um, you know, we're going to go through a quarterback battle through the spring and we'll see if we get it settled coming out of the spring at Georgia. Uh, Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, all you know, several t- very talented guys in that room. Uh, anybody you give the leg up right now? I know Kenny McIntosh at the Senior Bowl gave a ringing endorsement for Carson Beck, but uh, anybody in the driver's seat for that job with Monken, or Monken out now Bobo taking over?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I saw where Macintosh said that last week. And then, you know, of course, whenever there was garbage time reps to go around this season, Carson Beck was the first guy to get out there. So I think it's his job to lose. Um, you know, I kind of go back to a few years ago, funny enough, uh, a former Bobo assistant, uh, Will Friend, uh, who was on staff at Georgia. And he talked about during the spring that the returning guys get the first opportunity. After that, then I've got to start giving the young guys an opportunity. So I think the way that this goes into the spring is that Beck is going to be in the driver's seat. Now, if he doesn't necessarily take hold of it, then I think all of a sudden it is, all right, guys, battle it out over the summer, seven on seven, all those different types of things. And then maybe that brings in you know Brock Vandergriff uh, and, and who knows, maybe even a Gunner Stockton as well. But I think that he definitely goes in with every opportunity if he does what he's supposed to do in terms of showing improvement, showing that, you know, he, he belongs in that spot, uh, then I think that probably you will uh, see Carson Beck as the starting quarterback. But, you know, it's going to be very much an open competition. Kirby Smart has shown you uh, that he doesn't deal in anything other than open competition, especially in situations like this. And... As he's proven before, uh, the five-star is not necessarily the guy that, that gets the nod uh, when uh, the decision is finally made.
0: Those are all A-plus names, by the way. Uh, best names of any quarterback room in the SEC. We're, we'll uh, uh, continue our conversation with Dan in just a second. So hang tight, Dan. I want to get into some of the SEC expansion talk with you. But uh, first, I want to remind all our listeners that this episode is presented by friends over at FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to points scored, uh, threes drained, all that kind of stuff in the NBA. They got player props, so many other exclusive bets, like the two-by-three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes, all kinds of cool stuff like that. Go check it out. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash lockedon. That's FanDuel.com slash lockedon to learn more. You want to get in before tournament time? That's coming up very soon. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. continue on here locked on SEC we're we'll continuing our conversation with our buddy Dan Matthews of 680 the Fan there in Atlanta of course working with the Chuck Oliver show as well and Dan I want to dive back into it with you as uh, the news became official last week Texas and Oklahoma officially coming to the 20 uh, to the SEC in 2024 this will officially be the last season of the 14 team SEC as we know it initial thoughts when you saw that and Obviously, Greg Sankey and company are getting hard to work on how the scheduling and rotations and all that will work out. How do you see this thing playing out?
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, them leaving early, I mean, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. I mean, the only thing that necessarily surprised me was, um, you know, Fox wanting to get every last bit out of the juice that is Texas and Oklahoma, which was kind of funny really when you thought about it because... I mean, aside from the Texas OU game, you don't really see the Big 12 featured prominently on the major network part of Fox, with that, of course, being Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. You know, so, I mean, aside from that one game, I didn't necessarily see, like, what's the real hold on that, um, especially when you're, you know, so embedded with uh, the Big 10, And, uh, you know, what what that brand brings from more brand names there in that conference than you have in the Big 12. But I get it, money's money. Um, You know, of course, Texas is trying to recruit for this, so is Oklahoma. Uh, They were both the only teams in the Big 12, as we know it, uh, to get five-star signees in this class of 2023. Uh, I think the edict for both sides needs to be get as physical as you can and try to be able to hit the ground running in 24 because it's not going to be easy. It sounds like uh, the uh, you know the, the divisions might go away. It sounds like too uh, that uh, a nine-game conference with uh, three permanent uh, opponents starts to come into play. Um, you know, in, in the SEC, you don't get Iowa State one week. You don't get um, you know. Baylor one week, I mean, even though, you know, those schools have had good seasons the past couple of years, I mean, you know, even getting a Mississippi State or an Ole Miss or an Arkansas uh, is going to be a, a pretty big battle for you to be able to try to take a bite at of. So that could be tough. I mean, it obviously raises the profile of the conference. I know that Greg Sankey has said that the SEC championship game is not going to move around. But I almost thought now with both Texas and Texas A&M being in this footprint, why wouldn't you try to ring the bell of a SEC championship game in Dallas? Why wouldn't you try to do that of a title game in San Antonio or in Houston? Um, I think that that would be something that definitely comes into play, but uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously Atlanta means a lot to the conference, Um, but I mean, it's going to be fun. I mean, I, you know, the SEC could definitely use more of um, a city footprint, if you will, uh, to the conference because there's not a lot of schools that are easy to get to. Austin's pretty easy to get to. Norman, Oklahoma, is pretty easy to get to because it's pretty much a suburb of of uh, Oklahoma City as well. So you've got two major fan bases coming in. Um, you know, it, it's going to definitely raise the uh, the profile of the conference and. You know, I know that a lot of people thought that USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten was a big, or, yeah, was a big deal, uh, and tried to argue with me about that. And I said, I can't find two larger brands to add to a conference in Texas and OU, uh, especially Texas, uh, what they bring, despite uh, the fact that they haven't been "quote unquote" Texas in some years.
0: So, just to put a cap on this, are are you on board with the nine-game conference schedule and the three permanent crossovers? Because that's what it sounds like a lot of people are presenting as the most common-sense piece of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I think that you're also going to see more of a reluctance to have the FCS opponent on the schedule, uh, the lower group of five on the schedule, because now as we enter in the playoff expansion, a loss is not going to be fatal. Heck, two losses won't even be that for you, Gordy. So I think that probably there is now, with that caveat out there, at least SEC, you know, ADs and presidents looking around and saying, do we really need to play Stanford or Mercer on a weekend? You know, because obviously the the, the PR spin on it is, well, we're helping out you know, a program that otherwise wouldn't get this amount of money pumped into their program. And now I think that probably you will see them say, we'll take that neutral site big-time game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll take, you know, the, the you know, game against UCF or University of Houston or somebody which I get. Houston's now going to be a Power 5 uh, big boy. But you get my point. I think that there is going to be a little bit more of a, a – um, a willingness to take on those games. So, yeah, I, I do think that's coming. And then also, too, I, I think that probably for some of the schools out there, like, you know, take uh, an Auburn, for example. I'm sure that they're probably like, God, please give us anything that is not the, you know, current uh, rotation that we have, of you know, where it used to be them playing against uh, Georgia and Alabama pretty much back-to-back at the end of the season. So if they earned their way to Atlanta, they truly did earn it. So um, I, I definitely do uh, see that being the case. And I heard Ross Dellinger talking about that end-of-season rivalry games could be pretty interesting. And I know one of them he threw out there was maybe it's the return of the Thanksgiving weekend LSU-Arkansas to go along with Texas, Texas AM, the Iron Bowl, and all of those games. Um, it, it's definitely going to raise the profile of the conference. I don't think there's any doubt about that
0: is Dan Matthews. Of course, you can hear him uh, part of 680 The Fan in Atlanta and, of course, part of the Chuck Oliver Show, which you can hear all across the South every day. Dan, always appreciate the time, man, and uh, thanks for hopping on with us.
1: Hey, always good, Gordy, and uh, we'll catch up
0: soon. All right, that again, Dan Matthews. Appreciate him for joining us. Coming up next, we are going to finish things off, go around the conference as we got some news from Ole Miss among others, uh, around the conference coming up next. Mm-hmm. Going along here, locked on SEC. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day, and doing things a little backward today where we have Dan as our guest in the first two segments. So we got to jump into it. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference.
1: Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff.
0: Around the conference. And we start with fan reaction to Mike Bobo, uh, of course, being named the Georgia offensive coordinator. And fans are very mixed on social media. Some Georgia fans saying, Mike Bobo, I'm sick. Uh, Mike Bobo once made a Georgia fan so mad that he urinated on his Georgia hat. Um, Another guy saying, Georgia football program under Mark Rick essentially came unraveled when Mike Bobo left after the 2014 season. Uh, the college script must not want Georgia to 3 because that Mike Bobo hire is not it. That's some other fans more optimistic. One guy said, Mike Bobo, welcome back to the role that was once yours. Let's get a few more titles. Uh, another guy saying, a team employing Bobo at OC and must Will must champ at DC will likely go 12-0 through the regular season next year, and that should be illegal. Look, it... The SEC has had its share of retreads. Mike Bobo has coached at a dozen schools. Kevin Steele's coached at a dozen schools, so it's going to be very interesting to see how both of those guys do this year at two high-profile programs like Georgia and Alabama that are considered, you know, to be the best of the best in this conference. But like Dan said earlier, uh, this may not be for the long haul. This may just be an easy transition because he was already in house. Kirby's going ah eh, instead of bringing in somebody and. Implementing a whole new offense, let's just roll with Bobo. Keep some of the wrinkles and elements the same, and if done work, we'll move on. So it will be interesting to track that. Some other news going on around the conference over at Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin has seen uh, some staff turnover over this offseason. According to Chris Lowe, the Rebels are finalizing a deal to bring back running back coach Kevin Smith. Uh, Smith worked with Kiffin over at FAU and Ole Miss and helped recruit Running back Quinchon Judkins to Ole Miss, who obviously was a fantastic freshman running back this past year. Uh, Smith followed uh, Mario Cristobal over to Miami, but didn't work out there, and he is reportedly coming back to Ole Miss. Let's see if Quinchon Judkins can perform even better with the guy who recruited him back as his coach. A few other Ole Miss Nuggets, they released uh, their numbers, jersey numbers for their transfer portal class. Uh, there are two quarterbacks, Spencer Sanders coming in, he will wear jersey number three. And Walker Howard, the LSU transfer, will wear quarterback uh, or jersey number seven, uh, among others. Trey Harris, wide receiver, will wear number nine. Chris Marshall, the wide receiver from AM, he will wear number 12. So just some numbers to keep track of there on Ole Miss's roster. Uh, a few other staff moves for Ole Miss uh, former Ole Miss running back Enrique Davis is reportedly coming back to Ole Miss as an analyst. That's according to On3 Sports. He uh, joins Lane Kiffin's staff in an off-field role after previously coaching running backs at Western Kentucky. Also, uh, former uh, NFL wide receiver Patrick Carter going to be a lead analyst for the Rebels. He started his college career at Georgia Tech before transferring to Louisville, spent a couple years in the NFL, and now he's coming out as an analyst on Lane Kiffin's staff. Meanwhile, over at Texas A&M, they are uh, hiring a new running backs coach as Markwell Blackwell will be heading to Texas A&M. He leaves Ole Miss where he's heading to coach for the Aggies. 43 years old, was a South Florida quarterback in the late 90s, early 2000s. Got into coaching around 2006 and uh, spent time at several different schools throughout the college football ranks. But... Uh, We'll see what Mark Blackwell is able to do with the running backs over there at a and Obviously, this past year was with Ole Miss and Quinchon Judkins led the SEC in rushing. He'll replace uh, Tommy Robinson on Jim o. Fisher's staff. Uh, Urban Meyer was on a podcast this week talking about Stetson Bennett and the Georgia Bulldogs. The All Things Covered podcast with Brian McFadden and Patrick Peterson he said he believes Stetson Bennett is the most underrated player ever to play college football. Urban Meyer saying, Bennett, the most underrated player I think that has ever played the game. I can't believe how small that guy was, but he's a monster. His leadership, his toughness, incredible. So a ringing endorsement there from Urban Meyer on Stetson Bennett. Another ringing endorsement, how about for Bryce Young? As he is heading in this NFL draft, expected to go very high on Tuesday. The Indianapolis Colts holding a press conference introducing their new head coach, and the owner may have slipped up a little bit as he admitted next to his GM that the Alabama guy doesn't look too bad, he said. Colts have the number four pick in this draft. There's some rumors they may want to trade up to the number one pick to go get Bryce Young. So, uh, hey, look, it's talking season, as they say, but Jim Irsay may have let his cards be shown there that the Colts – they don't mind moving up to go get Bryce Young. So we will be some, something definitely worth tracking as we head towards the NFL draft here in a couple of weeks. Another uh, college football nugget. How about Kevin Sumlin, former Texas A&M head coach? He has agreed to a deal to go be Maryland's tight ends coach. Sumlin was most recently the head coach at Arizona, was let go after the 2020 season. Spent three years there after coaching at Texas A&M from their entrance into the SEC from 2012 through 2017. Of course, Coach Johnny Manziel when he won the Heisman. But now he will head up to Maryland to go be their tight ends coach. Did serve as tight ends coach at Oklahoma back in the early 2000s. In a little SEC hoops news, Joe Lunardi put out his latest uh, projections for bracketology, and he has got Kentucky as one of the first four teams out after their road loss at Georgia on Saturday, the Bulldogs currently ranked number 123 nationally in the net rating. So, uh, Kentucky got some work to do. And if they missed the tournament, that would mark the second time in three seasons that Kentucky would miss the tournament. They went 9-16 and 16 in the 2020 uh, season. Last year, Kentucky was a two-seed but was upset in the first round. Kentucky has not missed the tournament twice in a three-year span since 1989 through 1991 that was the last year the eddie sutton era and the first two years of the rick patino era kentucky uh will play mississippi state on the road tonight and uh sec baseball nugget lsu baseball suffering some major blows before the start of their season on friday night right handed pitcher grant taylor who is projected to be a weekend starter for the tigers and One of the top prospects in the upcoming Major League Baseball draft. He suffered a UCL injury and will miss the entire 2023 season. Kendall Rogers first reported the news. Uh, Taylor intends to stay on with the Tigers into 2024 following his recovery. Now, that news came just a few days after Arkansas's top prospect, Jackson Wiggins. He went down with an injury that will have him miss the entire season. Uh, LSU, they're the undisputed number one team in all the baseball rankings heading into this season. But losing Grant Taylor will be a big blow for that LSU rotation. Uh, They do bring in Paul Skeens. They've got Ty Floyd, brought in Christian Little, Thatcher Hurd. So we'll see how their weekend rotation irons out. They will face Western Michigan starting on Friday night. And thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Make sure you go check out our brand-new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Hear from some big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC.